Joshi podcast. My guest today is my good friend Felix. Felix and I met when I was taking Spanish classes uh, in community college uh, after I graduated from undergrad. Um, we stayed friends. We got along during class. So uh, I was fortunate enough to reconnect with Felix. But it's been approximately 14 years since we've seen each other in any regular capacity. This conversation, we talked about our respective experiences learning Spanish and English, Felix's travels to Spain, and her growing up in Mexico. Hope you enjoy it. So, how are you? I am doing great, Alex. How are you? Good. So, thank you for doing you my. A, thank you for doing you the. Have po- a good day. Yeah, I did. So, so you listened to the other podcast episodes. What did you think? I think it was absolutely great. Uh, you have great friends. I was very excited to hear about the different experiences from your friends and their cultures and you know how they how how you guys got to meet and um all the experiences that you have experienced together from childhood all the way to adulthood so they were fascinating yes they had fun and and actually very soothing yeah it was it was it's neat to talk to them a couple of them i haven't talked to in in several years that you know for extended periods of time so yeah, it was, it's nice to get back in touch and and pick their brain a little bit. I'm glad you liked it. And yes, definitely. I'm, it's, it's great. I'm glad you're doing it now also. You get, yes, absolutely. It, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. So I'll be curious to, to hear how, how I sound in the recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'd mentioned earlier you wanted to talk about... Uh, uh, immigrant experiences, right? Yes, I I was very, I'm very curious and actually creating uh, almost like a like my like a, a podcast also. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That is where I will need your expertise, and then uh, having like a panel of um, immigrants or people who have come from other countries and basically they have overcome challenges and have become successful, and basically share uh, for them to share with the audience. And how they overcome, how they overcome those obstacles or those uh, hardships, and um, in order for them to be successful. So, what was the key, and what what was the turning point when they were going through uh, hardship, and then and what they do to to basically overcome that and become successful? Oh, nice. So, is it going to be uh, Spanish speaking? Uh, it could be both, but I think uh, yeah, I think it could be both. Um, uh, English and Spanish, um, but yeah, I think that, that would be an interesting. It's fascinating to hear uh, the stories uh, from you know different cultures, and not only and not only Latin, you know from Latin America, but also from other countries. Um, I remember when I was taking uh, English classes, and then you know when I came here to the, to the United States, and I didn't speak a word of English. And um, where where did you take English classes at? I took English classes at Fremont High School. They had ESL classes. I remember, and I remember that I couldn't I couldn't afford you know paying like even college classes because I came here by myself. Uh-huh. So barely could pay the rent and just really just keep going, just keep keep uh, just paying the rent, and um, it was it was pretty rough, but. Um, the the one thing that um, that I learned from that experience and working in these um, courses um, was that all the students that we were there learning English they had such a rich uh, history of how they came to the United States 
and uh, and you know you might think oh you know my story is pretty harsh you know it's like uh, but no like there are other people that oh my goodness like they have overcome so many obstacles and um, it, it's quite interesting to to learn from other people to how they how they came to the United States what they you know like what was their drive to move here um, and then and and also their stories are fascinating yeah. How long did it take you before you were comfortable speaking English? If you started <laughs> it's, it's out knowing ongoing, nothing, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, at the beginning when I came to the United States, so I didn't speak at, at anything at all. I just knew how to say thank you, have a good day, and that's pretty much it. When did you come? I came in two thousand, two thousand, yeah, two thousand. Oh, nice! Twenty years yeah. now. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so it was it was interesting, and uh, um, answering your your uh, question about how when did I became more comfortable in speaking in English? Um, to be honest, I always uh, you know I always want to uh, improve, obviously. Yeah. But uh, in in every aspect, not only in English, but in every aspect of my life. Uh, but going back to your question about English. Um, one day, um, you know, after taking so many classes and ESL, um, I was having this dream, and I, I remember this dream very interesting because I was, uh, it was funny because uh, I was I was sleeping, and then in my dream I saw myself talking in Spanish, and then I reminded myself in my dream, uh, wait a minute, who is talking? And then I paid attention in my dream, and, I said, and then I said to myself in my dream, "Wow, you can make sentences now!" Like in my dream, I told myself that I could make sentences, and then uh, so then I, I was I it was like a eureka moment in my dream that I could that I was not afraid anymore to basically talk, that I was not afraid anymore of you know always an it's an ongoing uh, learning opportunity, but. You know, to not make mistakes, and you know, it's kind of like uh, the key thing is even if you make mistakes in any language, the the key point is you learn from your mistakes. And if you basically mispronounce something, or you didn't say something correctly, or you know, some like you wrote it incorrectly, or whatever it is, yeah, you learn from it, and you keep going. And I, and I thought that that was uh, that was the first time in my dream that I realized that I could. Uh, that I could make sentences and that I was not afraid to basically talk to anybody. So uh, I I love that dream and I remember per- I remember that perfectly. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so it took me like it took me maybe like four months or four to five months um, when I had that dream after taking a lot of classes and uh, just going through just being part of the culture and uh, and practicing. That's wonderful. I still yeah. I still struggle with Spanish imperfect tense. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, after taking the and my um, and my my plural is not very good either. Uh, well, I have to say, you know, I think Spanish is more difficult than English. Oh, I I mean, I I like its I like its regularity. I like that it, it's it's a predictable form for mm-hmm. v- verbs and things like that. So I. So I I find it a relief that way. It's it's uh there are some words that are uh you know like uh a chocolate for example this is this is spelled the same thing yeah it's yeah. just it's 
pronounced differently. Yeah. And then, so there are so many, like, uh, um, there are so many songs or so many things that, uh, you know, helps you to kind of remember uh, certain words like um, transportation, transportacion. Yeah. You know, it's very, very similar. It's just, you kind of change a little bit instead of, sh- instead of transportation. Yeah. Transportation, the, the, those are, those are the, um, the cognates, right? The, Yes, exactly. Yeah. There are so many words that are um, kind of, if you want, you know one, then you know everything. And also with the numbers. So if you know like 1 to 20, um, and the, every 10 and 10, so yeah. like 10, 20, 30, 40, all the way to 100, and then you should be good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I, how did you find people uh, when you were learning? Were, were they supportive? Yes. They were very supportive, um, very helpful, um, uh, mostly, uh, you know, uh, um, married. So I, my husband, um, when I met him, uh, I didn't speak a word. I mean, I didn't speak at all. So um, we were to, we, we were friends and we were to, we, he, he spoke a little bit Spanish and I spoke very limited English. So he was very supportive. And then, you know, we were just talking. It was so funny because he would try to guess what I was trying to say. And I would make sentences, but uh, they were not uh, very structured. So it was difficult for him to understand what I was trying to say. But um Overall, it went well, um, and then obviously I married him, so <laughs> it went really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but overall people are sweet, uh, uh, very, very patient, and people are, are very supportive here in the U.S. I, I say that people here in the U.S. are very are very kind and, and generous, I would say. I, I found the same thing learning Spanish, you know, that, that Spanish speakers are, are very encouraging and that, you know, uh, they really help you get over your fears about uh, saying something incorrectly easily. Um, yeah. Much much friendlier. My my experiences learning Spanish were much friendlier than uh, learn trying to learn French. Oh, okay. I took that. That's how I came to Spanish originally. Was I had French in school, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I had it in early elementary school, and I had it in uh, middle school, and I, I hated it. And then I got uh-huh. I got sick of it to the point where uh, about halfway through middle school, I said, OK, forget this French nonsense. I don't want to do French anymore. So I, uh-huh. I, I switched to Spanish and the pronunciation uh-huh. was easier. People were friendlier. So all of the, you know, all of the fears I had learning French, they, they disappeared because uh, Spanish speakers were much more accepting. And it was. Oh, yes. It was. It was uh, for- it's almost like in the culture, Alex. So it's like um, we love when people are trying to learn our culture or they are trying to learn our language. Yeah, we yeah. love. You know, it's, it's something that is like oh, that is so so nice. And you know, we uh, usually are, people are are very uh, kind and you know trying to help you learn and and, and really incorporate you in their culture also. So it's it's more than just the language, but it's also the culture overall. What what were some cultural obstacles you faced learning English? Uh, cultural obstacles. Um, I didn't really learn. I mean, I didn't really have many obstacles. Uh, I mean, or, or yes, I had a lot of obstacles. But um, but going back, well, I remember not really cultural obstacles, but language obstacles. I had a lot of them when it. What What were your hardest words to learn? Learning the the 
different the different things. But um, when I was, you know, as I was sharing with you, Alex, uh, when I when I was in Mexico, I, you know, like with my language, I did well in school and everything. And I was a teacher there, and I came here to learn English for you know just to learn it, and just so, so I could go back and also you know basically teach English, um, you know, just elementary English at least. Uh-huh. Um, but then, you know, I stayed, I stayed for longer than what I expected. Um, and and the, then... Uh, does anyone else in your family speak English at all? Or no? Yeah, yeah. One of my brothers, my older brother speaks English. I, I'm limited, of course, but, you know, because he doesn't practice it, but he, he speaks uh, uh, some English. Yeah, so he knew more than yeah. you at the time. Yeah, he didn't know at the time when I came here, uh, but then he learned after, you know, when I came here and I told him to learn English because, you know, he could, you know, have a better job or he could work with, all the, you know, expats or, you know, he could make better living by knowing, just, just knowing English. Yeah. So he studied and then now he speaks, um, he speaks um, some English, not not perfectly, but uh, definitely he can have like, like, conversation yeah my, my my fluency keeps fluctuating like I, like yeah. like i told you before i i tend i fluctuate between level two spanish and level th- three or four <laughs> i think your spanish is wonderful i can you know i can understand you perfectly fine and it's it's quite a, quite advanced oh well, you're very generous yeah you're welcome you know one of the, the you were asking me about the challenges and i didn't really experience challenges because i'm one of those people who always see the, you know, um, uh, the half full glass rather than half empty glass. Yeah. So I, I always try to see the positive things, things in life. And, um, and then I always see every opportunity as a learning experience. It sounds very cliche, but it, it, it is true. You know, it's, that is me. You know, it's like um, I even if it's really difficult, whatever it is that I am experiencing, I always try to you know learn from it and you know see it as an obstacle, but it's also as a learning opportunity, and then just keep keep adopting, just keep adopting to whatever life brings in and just adjust. Um, but yeah, definitely when I came here, I had I had a couple of incidents where. Um, so I, I went to school, I learned English, uh, and then I thought that I knew at least some English. And then um, then I, I, I thought, okay, so I am going to enroll myself in other courses, like uh, to get my bachelor's degree here, because I got my bachelor's degree in Mexico. But pretty much it was it was not um, transferable there. What was your so then, what was your emphasis? Um, I was like a, a teacher. But what a particular subject? Teaching. Um, I taught uh, computer sciences, so it's like um, uh, like programs, uh, regular programs. This was long time ago. It was before two thousand. So, uh, like just regular programs like Microsoft, uh, you know, PowerPoint, Word, Excel, Project, uh-huh. uh, all those programs, and also like AutoCAD, uh, Flash. I think a Flash at the time. Uh, some of those programs, just regular computer programs. Nice. Did you ever make anything in Flash? Uh, yeah, I did at some point, long time ago, which I don't even remember. That that, that was like more than twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make? Well, yeah. Did you make? Did you make like animations or websites or? 
Yeah, we we um, we used to make animations because that class was for uh, for young students, and uh, so we used to make animations like the Pink Panthers or like the Flintstones or you know things like that. They could move. Yeah, they could have like a small animation. Yeah, so so those things uh, were fun. Um, I think those ones were interesting to learn for for the kids, and also it was a it's a nice experience for me to to have that. Yeah, I always, I always always liked animation too. I've never I never got into Flash. I sh- I should have, but now it's uh now it's being discontinued, actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. Um. So going back to the hardship. <laughs> so, um. So then, one day, so I decided to take uh, a class in uh, in the ANSA and the ANSA after I completed some of the English courses and. Uh, you know, in, in Mexico, I did well in school and algebra and all those. But so I, so one of the courses was algebra. It was one the first class, non English class that I took. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then um, I remember that class, which was very challenging for me, not because of the numbers, but because I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> Like I, I didn't know what was happening. That the English that I learned during conversational was different than for you know the the algebra English. Yeah, you know? yeah, def- <laughs> so, definitely. So, yeah, so it's like I, I didn't know what was happening. I just knew the numbers, but I didn't know what was happening. So the the teacher would ask something. I didn't have a clue what he was asking, and it was that one was a really big challenge. And I remember that day very vividly because um, that day um, basically made me stronger I, that day when, i don't i don't um, think i'd be able to do any kind of math in, in spanish like I, I don't know what the i don't know what the specific mathematical terms are in spanish for anything yeah so when i would see the, the the numbers on the board it would be okay because i see them right yeah and then you i can hear them and i could see them but he will have something more advanced uh and like uh more advanced but you know, there's this algebra one, two, and three. So the very advanced one is more difficult. It's almost like calculus, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's like I didn't know. And then um, I, in, if not only because of the mathematical terms, but also it's like it was It's like, what's happening? I, I didn't have a clue what was happening. It, <laughs> it, I, I felt um, that I had a huge obstacle to overcome. I felt that I was defeated at that moment. Like I, I just didn't know what I was doing. And then, um, and then I told, then my husband, I think at the time my husband went to pick, pick me up. He was my boyfriend back then. He picked me up and then he said, and then I, so I told him, I said, oh, I, I am not doing well in this class. I know that I'm, I'm, I am not doing well. And one of the things that he told me just kept, just stuck in my brain. And I used that phrase for, like, it was forever, for anything. Um, he said, don't feel sorry for your for yourself," he said. "Don't feel sorry for yourself. Um, whatever you are feeling now, whatever frustration or whatever defeat that you are feel, feeling, keep it. You know, make sure that you feel it, and make sure that you know how you feel it, so that so that encourages you to overcome it. Uh-huh. So so you don't so you don't feel it anymore, because that's the only way that you are going to overpass this, and that's the only way to get rid of that feeling." by you learning it and by you overpassing that obstacle. So then, and I was crying because I literally, I felt defeated, like I didn't understand anything. And I felt that I was so dumb, like literally my self-confidence was so low after being 
a teacher in Mexico, and I, after being a really like superstar, and like in school, I was in school, I was like a really good student. And like, when I came here, I didn't know anything, and I felt like I was totally like a failure. Yeah. And, and then, and then that moment when you know, but then my my boyfriend, now my husband, he told me that. He, then he then he told me that and and then I it was almost like a, a slap on the face but it love in a loving way. <laughs> he, so then I, I kind of woke, woke up and and just sort of whatever I was feeling and and say that's right you know he's totally right so why why am I feeling sorry for myself I can overcome this you know I, I can I can do this just by studying more that's all that's all what I need to do or just learning you know if this is an obstacle then just learn it and just put more effort more effort into it that's all what i need to do so yeah that's what i did and then um every single every single time i went through school or anything in life just whatever is difficult just put more effort into it because if it is difficult then you need to put more effort into it don't give up just put more effort into it that's all that's fantastic it seems, yeah. it seems to have worked for you so far. Yes, yes, I, definitely. And I have experienced a lot of other challenges uh, along the way, but yeah, that's kind of my mantra. It's like, if it's difficult, just don't give up. Just just keep trying, keep trying and do it and do it and do it. So I'm, and, I'm, uh, so I'm curious, what, 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 since I met, I, we met in Spanish class, so I'm curious, what, what made you take Spanish when you're a native speaker? <laughs> Thank you for the question. <laughs> So that was an interesting because a couple of couple of uh, friends and um, they they were asking the same question. Um, so first of all, um, uh, that class was interesting because I I wanted to know how 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 Spanish was taught here. Uh-huh. And then second second of all, because um, also uh, at the time I was trying to get in Berkeley. And they were um, requ- the one of the requirements is to have a, a foreign language. Okay. And because I, at the time I was working already, you know, I was working full time, and I was taking other two classes. So and then I wanted to take three three classes. So I said, okay. So I know this, you know, in, in Spanish I am going to do great because it's my native language. So I so then that that's why I took it. So then that way I can get credit, and then the other ones I got two two classes, so I could finish three classes, so I could basically start moving faster. So even though you're a native speaker, they still considered taking Spanish a foreign language. Yep, because <laughs> English. I should I should be taking English, <laughs> but apparently because I'm I'm here, Spanish is a foreign language. <laughs> And and what and what's your opinion of of how it's how Spanish is taught here versus in uh, how English is taught in Mexico or how Spanish is taught in Mexico? The first question is how did I think Spanish was taught here? Yeah, there are definitely good teachers. Uh, there are really great teachers. Um, um, I know a couple of teachers that uh, I don't think the one that we took was one of the best ones, but I know that there are really good teachers that basically teach Spanish and they are phenomenal not only in the way they prepare the material and to make it understandable but also they make it interesting and then it's um, it's very enjoyable and, and fun and 
and which is also kind of part of part of the culture, right? And so but like, it, but like, do nice. do they do they do the units in the same order? Like, can you remember it? Like, you know, is it the same kind of vocabulary progression, like it is in Mexico, or is it different? Um, it's different. How is it different? It's, well, it's different because um, here, so they have like, um, um, well, in Mexico, you know, they teach you since you are a little bit, a little baby, right? Mm -hmm. So then they teach you like, so they teach you like ABCs in Spanish and they teach you how to read and then they teach you uh, how to make sentences, the, all the verbs and how to, um, you know, the, all the rules of, of how to make a sentence and... Uh, but, but since you're a little a little kid, since you're in, the, in, in elementary school, so um, I think here is because everything is more compact. So, for example, in uh, Spanish ones, uh, it could be like elementary school there. So it's it's very it's very basic. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it's more difficult to learn it here because the time span is is more. Compact? What what sort of time span, like? Well, you know, here you only have one semester, or depending on the quarter, it's a quarter system or semester, depending on the uh, the, the university that you're attending. Uh -huh. um, in Mexico, you have many years to basically learn something, right? Because you're going, you're part of the culture and you are part of also the the education the educational system, so you have years to learn something. Oh, I see. So they so like Spanish one, uh, by itself takes multiple years. Yeah, because you're you're a kid, and then just so you learn first, like um, how to how the first grade. You know how to write, like a small smaller little sentences, then read and the numbers and 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 then the second year, then you continue learning all that stuff. At least at least that's how it was taught before. I'm not sure how it's now because I have been here for the last 20 years but before that that's how was the structure yeah generally here yeah. i mean i've gone i've gone through it several times now <laughs> in my trying to learn <laughs> but uh -huh. uh, usually you know usually spanish one is basic uh like basic speaking basic words and uh, uh -huh. spanish two is more complicated grammar you pass tense and imperfect tense and all that then Sp uh -huh. Spanish three is more, uh, uh, more complex writing, and Spanish four uh -huh. is more complex reading. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Exactly. So that's how the, that's how they structure it. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, I think yeah, exactly. Um, but and the in Mexico it's like so even if you are in uh, first or second grade, you are you already are already starting to read, right? So because you're making words or you're starting to read small mm -hmm. sentences or and you, and then kids are already embedded into the into the culture so they get to practice at home or they get to share what they learn and uh, as opposed to here you know only if you have friends and spanish uh, uh, friends who speak spanish you can practice mm -hmm. or maybe you know friends or family you can practice but not that often yeah so it makes it more challenging to learn it here as opposed to a, a, a native uh native speaking spanish speaking country yeah but even so actually spanish is still quite universal i mean span like of all the foreign languages you're 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 more likely to encounter a spanish speaker especially in california but in, in yes exactly but you know french has a has a harder time right there's much less of a french presence 
just around. So I know I know what you're saying, but it's 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 harder for it's harder for other languages, I would think. You know, Spanish yes. you're 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 bound around run into someone that speaks Spanish. So it it is possible to practice a little bit more. Um Yes, for sure. But you know, French is harder, Chinese is harder, German, you know, you don't encounter at all. Uh-huh, I have uh-huh. I, I have cousins that took German. Um so, you know, there you're almost exclusively confined to school. Yes, for sure. You know, if you if you know Spanish, you have a second tool that you can utilize and it's it's a great um great thing to know, for sure. Yeah. I've I've found it very helpful. I've made a you know, uh, I I get a lot. I've gotten a lot more help because I knew Spanish. I, you know, or able to talk to someone in Spanish. I was able to, you know, every job I went or in, when I was in, uh, you know, high school and in in college, you know, I'd, I'd make friends with all of the staff, and mo- most most of the staff uh, spoke Spanish as well. Sometimes sometimes they'd give me uh, like extra food for for or dessert or something for lunch because uh-huh. because I I knew enough Spanish that I I'd, I'd make friends with them so they'd always give me a, a, a extra helping of food <laughs> cuz they knew I was, that is nice. they was they knew I was hungry or they they they'd make a dish I liked a particular way cuz they uh-huh. they knew me and they we you know I I spoke Spanish with them so that yes. that that was nice yeah that's all. that's lovely. Yeah. So, Alex, um, now let me ask you something. Sure. What What about you? Is um, when we met during that Spanish class, um, like fourteen years ago. Long time now. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> what was your What was your main motivation about it? Like, why Why did you take that? Uh, that that course. Well, in in school, I. Uh, like I said, coming coming to Spanish in middle school after French was a big relief, right? And uh, teachers were more friendly, and it was it was much more engaging. But what's your motivation? Uh-huh. So so through middle school and high school, I, I I really enjoyed Spanish, and I I progressed enough by end of high school I was in Spanish three, okay, and then. Uh, in high school, I I had to start. I actually had to start Spanish over because I moved to India for two years, fr- freshman and sophomore year of high school. So when I moved to India, I started over. So I I'd gotten to Spanish two, or or Spanish three by that point. But then moving moving to India, um, it, it took us about six months to get settled. So I thought, okay, I need to start over again. So I I lost some of my fluency. So I started in two again. And then we moved back, and so I had progressed to three in while I was in India, but then we moved back, and again over the summer it it disappeared. So I I again when we came back started at two. So by the end of high school I should have been in uh, Spanish four or five, okay. But because I kept starting over, then uh, you know I was only at three, and then by the end by the end of high school. Uh, I kept like it kept coming back, right? So I was reasonably accomplished in Spanish by that point. So then in college, there you take a test to see what your placement is, and I actually did well enough on the test that I, uh, I tested out of my language requirement in college. <laughs> so I, I I didn't have to take it at all. I was given wow. I was given free credit because I did I did well enough on the test. Yeah, 
So, That's awesome. So then I didn't do Spanish at all in college. So for four years, mm -hmm. didn't do any of it. So, of course, if you don't use it in four years, it disappears again. So then coming out of college, uh, when I was still looking for jobs and whatever, not sure what I was going to do with my life. I still don't know. But <laughs> while I was just fig <laughs> figuring it out, I, I thought, okay, you know, I, I always enjoyed Spanish and it's been four years now. So let, let me take it again. So that's why I that's why I took the class. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. Yeah. So then we I I took it again at uh Foothill and then got mm -hmm. my got my fluency back up again, at, you know, climbed through the ranks. I start started with one and got got all the way up to 3 again and then 3 I was uh, you know, I had remembered remembered all my grammar and was was doing pretty good. And then um Then I got into graduate school at San Jose State, so I lost mm -hmm. it again. And then, after after graduate school, that's when I took it at uh, De Anza. That's great. And we we had we had two classes together, right? Or was it just the one? I think we took two classes. I don't remember to be honest. It has been so long. Yeah, because <laughs> so I, long ago. Yeah, because the cl the class went for the semester, right? Yeah, I think. Because so. I remember I there was know, like a fall. Yeah. We we took it in fall, and then there was spring also. I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you have better memories of the Spanish the, the <laughs> Spanish uh, classes than me. <laughs> But because uh, I remember, like the the first part we did fine because we had a good we had a good teacher, and I I was uh -huh. I was good. And then the second part, I, I remember I was I was embarrassed because you said I got worse because <laughs> the teacher was so bad. <laughs> Like whatever. Well, in my view, you think you you did excellent. <laughs> yeah. My master's program I finished in 2007. And what was the concentration on? That, on? that was uh, library school, library science. Oh, okay, perfect, nice. Yeah, although I, I hated every minute of that program. I was happy when it was over. Why? Why did you did not like it? Why did you hate it? I don't know. I, I just I had I guess I had imagined graduate school to be a certain level of advancement, a certain you know, or like it would be advanced material and advanced thinking, and. Uh, For whatever reason, it just it just wasn't. I I found everything very boring. I like, you know, I thought it would be intellectually stimulating, and it it just it just wasn't. So I I okay. uh, for me it felt like a lot of, uh, you know, needless busy work. So okay, I I didn't have any like large big projects or big ideas to sort of grapple with. You know, to, uh, you know, I didn't have to write any long papers. You know, like fifteen, twenty pages about whatever, or thirty pages, or about anything, and I didn't feel like I had a, a strong peer group, so I, uh -huh. I did. I didn't feel like I made any friends. I felt like I was just showing up there, taking the classes, and going home. Uh, uh -huh. not, so, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't the higher education experience that I thought it would be. So I was uh -huh. happy. I was happy to just finish it and be done. Yes, I, I know what you mean. It was almost the same experience that I had when under my undergrad. It's almost like uh, you finish the work and get it done, get the grade, and go home and come back and the next day and so on. Um, as opposed to, you know, I just finished my MBA program and it was completely different uh, because we were in a cohort together Yeah. Uh, for two years. So we know each other. We Basically, we started together and we ended together. Yeah. Um, 
and it it was an amazing experience i would say um because we did learn from each other and because we are adults already so uh, we have we already have industry experience and we will we will uh, talk about some of the experiences that we had experienced in our in our companies and different so we all were from different industries so we learn from each other's uh, companies uh, of course always you know respecting the the privacy of the companies but um Still, you know, it's like we share about some of the the items that we can talk about and um, share share information, and then also some of the, the I mean, most of the professors that we had were ex, were outstanding. Um, I was very pleased uh, to basically be part of such a great program. Yeah, well, the one thing I can say is, uh, I mean, even though I didn't do as well as I would have liked in the in even in Spanish class, I'm glad I'm glad I met you. I certainly met yes. more, more friends from Sp- from Spanish class than from my master's program. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I am definitely very, very lucky and very fortunate that I had uh, the opportunity to meet you and uh, and learn from you and um, and call you my friend, even until so many years that we didn't uh, keep in touch and we, because we both um, did our own thing, like you did your master's or um, and I went to another path and... Uh, but yeah, we we are, we kept in touch, and then now we are back and being friends. So yeah. that's great. I'll ha- I want to go to uh, Mexico at some point. Okay, so just let me know. You are more than welcome. I um yeah, I am actually planning and going um sometime next year once we have um you know everything is we can fly safely and everything yeah. is it's great. Yeah, so and there's no COVID. You, if you want to go, you you are more than welcome to join me. Yeah, I'll, I definitely would love to go. I I think I have a feeling it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like India, but uh, yeah, I I have heard that it's very similar. Oh, well, okay, you you take you take me to India, I take you to Mexico. Yeah, sounds, how is that? Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Have you been to Have you been to Spain at all? Oh yes, I love Spain. What part of Spain do you like? Uh, I love everything about Spain, but I have been in Madrid several times. I have been in Barcelona uh-huh. a couple of times also. Um, I have been in uh, Seville, Sevilla. Yeah. Um, My mom went, went on in... vacation to Barcelona and Sevilla and she loved it. She said, I, I need to go. Oh, yes, for sure. I would say I really, really, really fell in love with Spain, uh, not only because they, you know, speak Spanish and you know, I feel like it feels like home, but also they have so much, so much history, and everything is so beautiful. The, the delicious food and great and very affordable, and and you know, they making the connection and the the, the uh, comparison with France. France is beautiful, of course, but you know, the hotels are very small and. You know they are very expensive, of course. Of course, five stars hotels, yeah. but they are very tiny. And Spain, the hotels are like even four stars are like very beautiful and big, and it's it's very beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, I I would say Spain is um, definitely one of my favorites in Europe. Yeah, mom mom said Barcelona is the place to be. Yeah, Barcelona is beautiful. Uh, Madrid is also beautiful. Madrid is very busy. Madrid is really, really busy, but um, Barcelona is, is uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Barcelona is really beautiful. Uh, the um, uh, it's it's everything is really outstanding. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to take a trip either to Mexico or Spain. Then you'll have to you'll, oh, you'll have to help I go show, anytime sh- to show Spain me around. Because, yeah, 
yeah, I have been all over Spain well, multiple times. So couple many times to Madrid because I love Madrid. Um, I went several times to Barcelona, several times to uh, uh, where is it? Uh, Seville. Uh, also the Mediterranean, close to Costa del Sol. Yeah. Um, yeah, to um, Malaga and Marbella and all those different smaller little towns that are along the Mediterranean uh, coast. Uh-huh. Are absolutely beautiful, breathtaking beaches with uh, white sand, uh, so beautiful. It's just uh, breathtaking. Definitely you have to go. Yeah. The, actually, there's a, there's a philosopher I, w- I used to study in college, uh, or Ortega y Gasset, uh, and all of his, he's out of, he was based in Madrid. So the the University of Madrid has all of his uh, papers and his books and things like that. And so mm-hmm. he, he was, a, he was a notable scholar out of Madrid. So he's a, he's, he's like a, a Spanish intellectual hero. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, one of, one of the things, sorry, go ahead, Alex. They no, no, no problem. I was just saying, like, so that's that's another reason to go, is to visit and see, you know, where he taught and read read some of his works in the original Spanish. Yes, for sure. It's it's interesting to actually see the the house of or the house or the place where people are born. Like when we were in Malaga, we went to visit the Picasso house uh-huh. where he was born and when he basically started. Uh, painting and all the all the different uh, things that he uh, paintings that he did it was quite fascinating um you know it it sounds a little bit a little bit a little bit dark but you know when i was looking at some of his paintings um it almost looks like he has some type of mental something like mental disease or something who's who's like the artist like a disease like a, like maybe alzheimer's or dementia or something yeah Tell me the because, name. Tell me. Tell me the name of the artist. Uh, uh Picasso. Picasso. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because and his and his house, the way he was painting when, at the beginning of the of when he started painting, um, I have seen. I I have experienced uh, just by regular life of you know just living experience with people who have Alzheimer's and dementia. And when they write, they have such artistic way of of just writing uh, or painting uh, due to the condition. Yeah. And some of those paintings that I have seen when people have, you know, people have this type of disease, you know, illnesses, mental illnesses, um, I saw a very similar, um, like, similarities on the paintings from Picasso. Like, they were like at the beginning of his paintings, they were quite like very similar to people who had, you know, either dementia or, or Alzheimer's. Well, I think he, I think he struggled with depression for a lot of his life, right? In the latter half of his life. Yeah, he had some type of uh, mental illness. I'm not sure exactly what he yeah. had, but it, it was fascinating just to see his life through through the walls. Yeah, so I, I think you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, I'm his paintings probably were. A, a result of that yes for sure you can tell like you can you can tell how you know how he the struggles in his mind through his painting what uh which museum in spain has has his paintings uh the picasso house it's actually a house where he grew up and that's the museum where in in which city in malaga malaga okay 
Malaga. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's in the south. It's close to the Mediterranean. Nice. Mm -hmm. what, one, one of the things that I found fascinating was in, uh, in, in uh, Seville, Sevilla. Um, there, they had a museum, which is, they call the Indies, okay. uh, you know, because before when, uh, before when the Americas were discovered, they thought it was India, but it was not India, so then they called this museum the, the Indies. Okay. Um, and basically, it's, it's like a, um, it's like an archived um, uh, place where they basically store all the different documents of the conquistadores when the, the original conquista the original conquistadores that came to the Americas to yeah. to conquer you know the one thousand five hundred people that came originally to the, to Mexico right yeah um, and then uh, but originally they thought that they were going to India but then they arrived in Veracruz and you know they the whole thing all the stories about arriving and conquering and yeah, you know that's another story. Then maybe if you want, I can tell you the story about about everything. That I love that story, those stories because they are quite fascinating. But but yeah, they had all these archives. So um, one of the librarians who was there uh, basically she says that um, people from Mexico, from the Latin America, who have like their their his their history or their their um, previous their ancestry. Their ancestors, yeah, their ancestors were part of the uh, part of the you know the conquistadores. They go there and basically a folio. It's almost like it's almost it's almost like ancestry, mm -hmm. but but in archives. So you go there and check their last name and say, oh wow, this is this was my grandfather or this was my cousin or whatever it is. Did you find your relatives there when you went? Did you look and see? <laughs> oh, no, it's a it's a huge archive. It's like a huge massive uh room it's, it's, it's like a it's, it's like a museum with a lot of archives how, i mean but, how far how far back to, like 1300s no I, I mean no because you know the the conquistadores arrived and uh arrived first was like in the 1600s right yeah yeah I mean, New World is is yeah approximately fifteen hundred. But I'm saying that. Um, yeah. So but but the there, there must have been but there must have been planning and expeditions before that, though, right? Uh, um, like in for, the fourteen hundreds, actually. Um, uh, so yeah. So actually, you're right. And the, like in for, like in the fourteen hundreds, they they are the first time they arrived. Yeah, it is many many years ago. I I no, I didn't look for my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago. But yeah, I found it fascinating, and it, the museums were beautiful, like uh, absolutely beautiful. And one of the interesting things about uh, Seville is because the cultures were um, changing throughout the centuries, yeah. throughout the years. Yeah. So some some buildings have um, like parts of everything. So some of it have like a, a span a Spanish looking beginning like the the base of the building is like spanish looking and then it starts it starts looking a little bit gothic and oh. then it starts looking a little bit like a um like a more more um like gypsy like the gypsies culture and so they have different different in one building they have different uh styles because in the it really depends on when the culture was in charge of the city yeah. So it it was it was quite fascinating. And then the 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 Muslim takeover of Spain and and the. Mm -hmm. Yep, 
do you know that basically you know the 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 song the music flamenco uh-huh so i didn't know i mean i thought it was very passionate and very loving and like you know it almost seems like it's so passionate but in terms of love right mm-hmm. it's like passion and, and yeah. love yeah but but uh, one historian was saying that basically um uh flamenco is a, is is based on pain uh pain just people suffering uh because what happened is like back then when the when when the muslim culture and the spanish culture and gypsies were not allowed to basically be part of one culture to you know to basically be together right um the crown of spain uh, back then uh queen Eli- queen uh, isabel and king ferdinand i think uh-huh. uh they were they were the king and they they called them the catholic the catholic kings the catholic king and the catholic queen mm-hmm. and then basically they had order uh people who did not obey or did, were not catholic then they would be sent to the other side of the of the the river you know there is a river in in valence in and Seville. Yeah. And then, so basically, whoever was not um, simulated by certain date, they had to move to the other side of the river. Deported. Because they were not Catholic. Yeah, deported. Deported, but within the same city, but pretty much deported just across the river. Yeah, segregated. And then, uh, segregated, exactly. And then, um, and then so, so people, you know, like, like, for example, me, like, how can I lose my culture? Like, it's impossible because it's part of you, right? Um, so, and then they had to basically get rid of everything. So they had to, um, so because people didn't assimilate it by the date that they set, um, then people were segregated into the other side of the river. But sometimes people will have friends and the other side, so, but they were not allowed to communicate. So they, uh, so the, the, the two, the, the three cultures or all these cultures, the, uh, gypsies, Muslims, and, and also Catholics, the ones that they wanted to communicate, they communicated through, through movements. So, so a certain way of how they would move their hands, you know, like in flamenco, they move a lot, they allow, you know, their hands very, very sexy, kind of like moving around and so forth. Uh-huh. So everything, like their movements, meant something, and their, like their, their, their also their dancing will mean mean something also. So so that they could communicate, um, they could communicate even if they didn't say anything, they could communicate with each other. So in 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 a way, flamenco is almost like a communication tool for people in those days. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And and what what messages are they usually transmitting? Um, like, uh, what, what do you mean? Like, uh, what do they do? So what I mean, other than it being a marker of of the culture, like, were there were there specific messages they were transmitting through dance? Um, I don't. They she didn't go in detail, but you know, like, mostly just to communicate like what was happening in their lives, and 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 that's what they say that is. It's mostly uh, it's, it's suffering, basically letting each other know that they were either you know suffering or they were 
like on the other side, but they were still thinking about their friend on the other side, or you know, just like interchanging comments yeah. between cultures. But it's pain because it's 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 segregation and and basically they are being pulled from their 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 friends and their families and yeah, and, and I, the I, cultures I, a little. I know about the I know about the segregation of of Muslim culture, but what are there other factions of Christianity besides Catholicism that were segregated? Um, I, uh, Jew, Jewish Jewish people were also um, they were welcome at some point uh, at some extent just because they um, had a lot of influence in terms of the uh, finances. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of influence on that, so so they they were not as segregated as. Um, and you know, because in those times, the I think the uh, the Crusades were was happening. They were happening, right? Yeah. Uh, so 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 the Muslim culture and Catholic Catholicism they they were in, they were in war. Um, and, so and, they and that's each and that's other. where you get Sephardic Jews, right? Sephardic Jews are are Spanish Jews, or Ashka- which which sect of Judaism are are Spanish Jews? Is it? Sephardic Jews or uh, Ashkenazi? I don't know, to be honest. I I don't know the details, uh, like around the Crusades, like what other, what other factions there were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know the other different. Uh, yeah, I just know that they they in Seville they did say that there were some Jewish uh, groups that basically controlled the finances and. They were they were basically the the smart the smart people almost like they knew finances they knew accounting so they had influence at some degree yeah and that's why they were not as uh, persecuted at at the time but but once they lost their almost like their uh, their privilege then they also were because fifteen hundreds is also when you have the the reformation of the church because of the printed book. And mm-hmm. and and, yep. and translating the Bible, so that's where you start to see uh, the Protestants split, and their Protestantism was at war with Catholicism. Uh, that that's all around the same time, right? The Renaissance. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yes, very interesting. I I hope I wish that I knew a lot more. Um, because it's quite, in, you know, uh, important for us to know. Uh, but um, yeah, there are there are lots of there are lots of stuff. There's lots of uh, information that I don't really know because I just know because I read some some of it and, and others because I visited um, uh, the museums and I read uh, I, I read some of it. But um, yeah, all I, I all I know is what American public education has taught me, not not much else. And that, mm-hmm. that that's always very uh, it's a very limited education. Mhm. And you, you did you grow up strictly catholic? Yes, I did. And are are you still a practicing catholic or not so much? Uh not so much. Not so much. I uh, yeah, that's but uh I I do I would say that I I am still catholic, but I m- many people would disagree because I you know, Catholics will go to church and um, you know very every Sunday and all that stuff, and I don't do that. So most likely, then I will not be considered Catholic. Yeah. But I I am because I am a good person, and you know. What were your were your parents very strict? Uh, 
Um, they were strict. Uh, they were strict, but not not as not not in terms of going to church and all that all that stuff. But they were pretty. They were pretty strict. Because I I didn't I didn't grow up religious at all in my family. Uh, uh-huh. My you know my my parents both were even though my my father comes from a you know hindu religious tradition he wasn't a practicing hindu himself so my my father was very secular and uh okay. um and although my my mother's family they they were brought up in a i guess christian upbringing but not not catholic um i don't actually know what what sect of christianity my mother's family practiced if they practiced at all but they were also mostly secular so uh-huh. you know if if they did if my like i don't think my grandparents uh my i don't think my grandparents were particularly religious my mother's parents um so i yeah i don't i don't know but you know whatever whatever my mother was raised in it was a very light christianity whatever it was but mo- mo- mostly sec- secular my you know my family tended to just, just take uh we'd we'd participate in our 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 friends you know religious holidays so we'd you know we go to our our you know, my friend Misha uh we'd go to his house for Jewish holidays and uh then we had you know we had other I had other Indian friends growing up so we'd celebrate uh you know Indian holidays but we ourselves in in my house didn't didn't practice anything with any sort of regularity I will say that I am almost at the same um, the same level as you are only on the Catholic side. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's all religions I I read about in school, but I don't practice myself. Yeah, I, I mean every religion has its own beauty um, and the great philosophy, um, as well as the, its own biases. Yeah. And that that's what I enjoyed. I studied, you know, world religions in college a little bit, so it was nice. It was nice to just sort of see what the similarities were, and to sort of take what you liked from each one. So exactly. That that's that's been the extent of my my religious education. You know, I read a little bit about Buddhism. Read a little bit about Hinduism. Read a little bit about, you know, Islam. Or Jainism, things like that. But yeah, ne- never, never. I've never felt a, a strong calling to subscribe to any particular religion. Mhm. Yeah. Yes. I. 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 I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it was never. It, it was never a source of uh, tension in your family, right? Like, were your parents very strict about? Oh, your. You know, your, your boyfriend has to be Catholic, also. Um, I think if I was there, I think they would. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But um, because I am here, and you know, I pretty much raised myself. You know, I moved out of this uh, the house at a very young age, and I became an adult. Uh, you know, I pretty much had to take care of myself since I was a kid. So, you know, it's I had to basically be make my own decisions and know what I want and so I, I I think they know that I make good decisions and because I make my own decisions and um, they almost feel like they can't really say much because <laughs> you know I help them I'm almost like the mother rather than the kid yeah so uh, yeah so 
I don't tell them what to do and they don't tell me what to do. So, but we respect each other, of course. Of course. But I think if I was in Mexico and uh, and say that um, I, yeah, they will make it more strict for me to be married to somebody who is Catholic because, you know, I would have to get married in the church. Mm-hmm. And then how about the, like say, say that for the sake of argument, if my husband was not Catholic and he didn't want to get married in the church, then it will be a bad thing. You know, it will be, it will be like, okay, why, why doesn't he want to marry or, you know? Right. Or yeah. why won't he convert or something like that? Yes, or uh, yes, most likely it it, w- it will be a little bit more, maybe not as not as bad as other other religions, but definitely they will they will continue kind of trying to include him into their religion. Is is your husband religious currently or no? Um, no, no, it's, it's pretty similar to me. He's he's similar to me, but his his father was Jewish and his mother was Catholic. Uh, so but he grew up more Catholic than Jewish. I see. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yes. So, uh, Alex, which parts of uh, the which parts of the world have you traveled? Uh, mostly just India. Okay. I've, which parts of India? So, most of my father's family lives in New Delhi, in the capital. Mm-hmm. And then I have a couple of aunts that live uh, in in the south, in uh, Jaipur. Um, a couple in. Um, near Mumbai you know India I've tra- India's where I've probably traveled the most and while I was while we were living there I had the opportunity to go to uh, Nepal and uh-huh. uh, I got to see I got got to see different parts of India but uh, we went we went on vacation a, a, a couple places to, like to Thailand and to Bali and um, just going to India you know you have to go you, there are several routes you can take so we took multiple different airlines. So we'd usually take Singapore Airlines. So you stop in Hong Kong and you talk. You stop in Singapore, but we'd only be there for you know eight hours or so, or you know just a couple hours to catch a connecting flight. So we walk. We walk, We've walked around Singapore a little bit, but I, I haven't really traveled to like Europe. I haven't traveled at all. I've passed through, passed through the Paris airport on my way to India and I've passed through Frankfurt, Germany on my way to India, but not, didn't, I didn't do any real, you know, tourism or anything outside of, uh, the airport. I've been to London. Uh, I went with uh-huh. my, I went m- with my father and we walked around London for a bit and I have one cousin who lives in uh, London. Um, so we saw him briefly. So London's probably the only European tourism I've done, but mainland Europe uh, I haven't been to it all. I've never been to France. Uh, never, never been to Spain, like I said. So those are definitely places I'd want to see. Okay, if you if you ever want, if you really are serious about going, and if you really want to, um, just let us know. We we can take you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds we great. We can, you know, we can go together. I I love Europe. Europe is my one of my favorite places to visit. Any any place in Europe. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I love so, Europe. I ha- I haven't been to Italy at all ever, um, so Europe would be nice. I ha- I've never visited uh, Africa. I've never been to Egypt. Never been to South Africa. So, th- those would be good places to go. Um, but yeah, my limited travel. I mean, I've been been some places, but I've never been to South America. Like I said, never been to Mexico, or as close as it is. So, Let's go to Mexico. Yeah. All right. 
can travel, um, I I'll set I let you know or you let me know when you want to go and then let's plan something. It's easy. You book the flight and go. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love, I'd love to see where you grew up. Oh, that would be awesome. I'll take you. I'll take you all the way to where <laughs> I grew up. <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find it very interesting. Yes, um, when I go to where I grew up, it's I feel that I went back like thirty years ago. <laughs> what <laughs> the infrastructure? The infrastructure is not too developed, and um, I mean, I think even though it's a city, you know, there are lots of things that can be improved, of course. Um, but it's it's beautiful. People are really nice, and you know, there are beautiful places um but definitely the infrastructure needs uh support what's the best uh, food to look forward to well they have different types of food there um i think it depending on in the same state um so they have different types of uh they, it's called mole like they have mole and most the most typical one is the from Puebla, which is another state right next door. Uh-huh. But they in Tlaxcala they also have their mole, the Tlaxcala and mole, and then they, that's what very traditional. It's almost like a, like curry, but it's Mexican, like it's like a curry, Mexican curry. Now is that, is that something that you can only only eat there? Uh, there are a couple of places here that they sell it also, but it's not as good, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, it, there is 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 pretty good. Um, okay, so a, then, a, a, partic- uh, a particular kind of mole, and what else? They have um, uh, it's a pretty pretty traditional pretty tra- traditional Mexican food. It's like they have um, they some sometimes they have what it's called uh, quesadillas quesadillas de tinga, which is like shredded chicken with chipotle sauce. And then they marinate the chicken with the uh, chipotle sauce, and then they put tomato, some tomatoes inside, and then they put uh, fresh cheese on the middle to just basically make it an quesadilla. They uh, fry it on an olive oil if you if you want to. Okay. And then it's so yummy. Crispy. Yeah, it's crispy, but not too crispy, not to the point that it hurts your teeth. You know, like sometimes that it's too crispy that it's not enjoyable anymore. Yeah. But, but it's crispy enough that you can eat it nicely with, uh, you know, it's, it's crispy but not too crispy. And it's just so delicious. The chicken is a li- has a little bit of kick over spicy, but it's not too spicy. It's, it has such a delicious taste. And then they also serve you with uh, salad. So they give you lettuce and uh, uh, and tomatoes and, you know, just regular salad with your little quesadilla. And it's it's quite delicious. And then, Very traditional. And then what do you drink with it? What's the beverage? They have all, actually, you know, Alex, the other day I went, I mean, so at the beginning of the year I went to Mexico and then uh, my brother took me to this, um, a little place um, where this nice lady was making tortillas by hand. And uh, we went to eat there and then um, she was making uh, tortillas you know, just by hand, nothing, nothing else, just by hand. And then she was making what is called gorditas. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, like a parata. You know, like the paratas have something inside yeah. the pasta. Yeah. yeah. So it's similar, similar to the parata, but it's a little bit thicker. Okay. And then, and then this one had like a. They take the insides out and then they put uh, like sometimes they put, you, can, you can put anything pretty much. You can put either chicharron, which is almost like a, it's almost like a, a crispy pork. 
Okay. And then they put it on top of it, or you can put it's almost like almost like bacon, like crispy bacon on top. Okay. Um, and then they put a little bit of salsa, and they put cheese on it, of course, always cheese. And Mexico is a lot, there's a lot of, also a lot of cheese eating. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, so, and then, uh. So it's car- carnita asada and, and queso and onions or just tomatoes? Uh, they put tomatoes, but uh, you can also, also, if you like onions, you can also ask to put onions in it. And then is it, are, are there jalapenos and other spicy things in it too, or the chicken is the spicy part? This particular one, the one, the, the gordita one, they, it doesn't have chicken. This one has pork, and it has uh, salsa, and it has cheese, and uh, it's so good. It was just so freshly made. You know, the nice lady was making them by hand there. And then uh, there was this, usually, you know, as opposed to, you know, when people say, don't buy anything that, you know, people are buy, selling it on the street, you know, like usually people say that, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it really depends on where you buy it and who is selling it because there are, you know, this um, nice little business. Uh, most people are, are clean, um, but, you know, you always find one that is not as clean, so, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, but... And this aspect, you know, this this uh, person who was selling water, like uh, freshly freshly made water, coconut water, literally just comes comes out of the coconut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's good. You get that in India too, and uh, yeah, sugarcane, raw sugarcane. Yeah. Uh huh. So it's like you can't really go wrong. Like literally, just they open the coconut and and then you drink out of the basically the coconut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, it was so delicious. Mm, yeah. Like no five star restaurant can you know can compete with this. It was just like so good. Oh did did your um, did your uh, did your mother make that kind of food? Like are you are you able to cook any of that food yourself? Um I I wish I knew. I I know some dishes but uh, mostly I don't because you know I, I am so busy most of the time with work and school and uh, I honestly I don't have much time for cooking, but I, I do cook here, but not not as elaborate as my mom. My but my mom cooks so good. If you go, if you're really serious of and going uh, one day with us, uh, my mom will cook. You'll see, my mom will cook so much food that it's like I feel that every time I go to Mexico, I gain like five to ten pounds every you know, <laughs> like two weeks because I eat a lot. Yeah, I'd be, I'd I'd love to go. My my colleague at work was telling me he's uh, he he went all all around Mexico. I think he's uh-huh. he's got he's got family there, but he's got a tons of friend tons of friends also. And he he was telling me, yeah, you you have to go. Like it the the food is in, incomparable. You can all, all, yes. only get it in Mexico. Yes, exactly. Like I I mean like I when I go out to eat here and like in the restaurant the Mexican restaurants. Uh, they some of them are good, but most of them, um, like nothing compared to the real, the real Mexic like Mexican food and made in Mexico. Yeah, it's just so good. Oh my goodness, uh, you have to go. Like really, you have to experience it. Definitely, definitely. Once once COVID clears, I'll I'll be making all kinds of travel plans. I want to yeah, go. Like, I'll, least, I yeah, like I want to go to India and see my, see my family, I'll, and I'll I'll definitely. Have to have to book a trip to Mexico also. Actually, that yeah, I've I've only been to Cancun, my my friend's wedding. That okay. So that was, but that was, you know, strictly in the resort, and nowhere mm-hmm. nowhere else. 
So I don't really consider that seeing Mexico. Yeah, the resort area, I have been also in Cancun. I took my mom there for just for Mother's Day. You know, I said, I asked her, I said, Mom, what, you, what would you like for your Mother's Day? She said, I want, I, I gave her three choices. And she selected the trip to Cancun. I said, okay, great, let's go. So I took her to Cancun and she loved it. Um, yes, I have to agree with you. Cancun is pretty much the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cancun is, is completely different. <laughs> which uh, which resort which resort did you go to? I don't remember which resort, but it was one of those all inclusive. You know, it's pretty much everything is all inclusive. Yeah, I think we were at Paradiso or something. Mhm. Like yeah, in the basically in la zona hotelera, verdad? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there are so many hotels there and so many places. It almost looks like a mixture of Las Vegas with uh, with with Hawaii or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So because there are so many hotels every, everywhere and it's uh, it's very touristy. Okay. Well, that that's a plan. As soon as COVID clears, we'll we'll, we'll make travel plans. Okay. Sounds good. It's uh, it's definitely different. Uh, you you'll get the the full experience and and you, your dollar goes a long way and you don't really need much money because you know it's like you you can stay with us. Just stay with you know in our house and then you you just buy your trip your ticket. That's yeah. all. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing else. Sounds good. You're well, awesome. Well, was there anything else you had on your mind? No, I think we touched all the all the subjects. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll call it here then. So this has been a awesome. gr- this has been a great episode. Glad you called. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Alex. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'll talk to you soon. We'll do it again. Wonderful. Thank you, Alex. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.